1: Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is daily spiritual practices. Many witches begin their path by attending some sort of ritual, often a sabbat, and may also start to attend some type of monthly ritual for the full moon. And Their practice begins and ends there. In fact, those of us on the path started out that way. But we have learned that spirituality is a 24-7, 365 thing for us. We get to individually decide how much time we want to devote to our individual spiritual practices and have infinite choices of what we do as part of them. We need to experience things separately on a regular basis to continue to grow and change. We also need to add and or delete different activities to take notice of what's going on around us in the natural world, learn new skills, and practice them to become proficient. So that we can add them to our regular practices together this doesn't mean that we have to be working on the same activities frequently we don't and this allows us to each bring different skills and ideas to the table it makes it more fun when we get together to share what we have been up to on an individual basis and we often learn more from someone else than from our own personal work at times at its most basic having a daily spiritual practice reminds us of several important points one We are witches and seekers. Two, there are two sides to the world itself, the magical and the mundane. Three, there are also two sides to us, the magical and the mundane. Four, a major part of our spiritual practice is working to balance these two sides as best we can in the most effective personal manner. We try to choose things to do or learn about that keep these points in mind most of the time. By incorporating small things throughout our days, we are able to more fully incorporate magic into the mundane world in which we live and work, as well as taking a few moments to take care of ourselves spiritually. We often refer to these brief periods of time as mini mindfulness moments. Not only are they spiritually uplifting, but they also have the added benefit of focus focusing us on the present moment, which is where we know it is best to work for creating change. Hey Dave, how's it going? I'm well. How are you, Elizabeth? Just healing up as best I can and still feeling kind of stupid that I wasn't watching my own feet when flying. As a a witch, if I'm going to fly, I don't want it to be across my kitchen floor.
0: (laughs) Well, but yeah, the the ideas that I learned back when I used to fly is file a flight plan first, (laughs) know where it is that you're taking off and Quite importantly, where it is that you will land.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Without injury to self or others, you know.
0: Hey, according to the infamous uh, Colonel, or at the time Colonel Chuck Yeager, um, any landing that you can walk away from is a successful landing.
1: <laughs> okay, I understand that he comes from that part of the world, all right? But I didn't land so much as fall from the sky like a rock. Right? way to describe that but as I was saying before uh, mentally I'm a lot clearer today because I'm actually getting sleep and as a highlight of my day I managed to take a shower there you go okay there's something about water and clean and water lots of hot water because I have tankless hot water so I could stand there for an hour if I really wanted to without hot water but you know I try to keep the environment reasonably happy and take shorter showers you know
0: sure but yeah so and, and um and that's actually a, a perfect opportunity for for a segue because what we're going to be talking about today is different daily spiritual practices and, and you know i for one have sort of a ritual shower things that i do um you know and i i You can try to include all of the elements in it and stuff like that. But the detail of what I do after my morning shower or throughout my morning shower isn't really what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is the fact that I have a routine or a practice or something because – Sure. Well, it's an awful lot of fun to get together with different people and share ideas and stuff like that. I'm more concerned with that people have practices and people are doing these things and sort of kind of reminding themselves of their witchiness in different ways during the the course of the day.
1: Yeah, which I think is the whole point of doing and having a daily spiritual practice is to develop that awareness of, yes, I'm a witch. And what does that mean for me? Or
0: even, you know, regardless of what you call it, you know, I'm a dave. Um, Oh, yeah. But the fact that you are, are involved in, you know, trying to understand your place in the universe and personal growth and instead of just... I I want to say this delicately, but the practice of going to a place with colorful windows and pretty music once a week is not a spiritual practice anymore. I don't see it that way. That's a social gathering. Spiritual practice for me is what I do when I go out on the front porch at two o'clock in the morning and look up at the moon. Sure. That's my spiritual practice.
1: For sure. Now I'm and I don't knock the place with the windows and the music. There are it's the people it's it's the place is not the spiritual practice. It's the people who attend that are having a spiritual practice. And it may be valuable to some people to do that. Sure. You know, and if that's what floats your boat, or if that's what you're happy to not do anymore, that's great. Like you said, the whole idea of what we're talking about is having a daily spiritual practice and it also has to grow and change
0: well and for me For me, most of the practice is about, and you know, we talk about it here, two sides to ourselves and two sides to the world, being the magical and the mundane. And even stuff I've talked about, you know, throughout the past few months in the podcast where I did a series of things that tried to help remind me that I am walking with one foot in the magic and one foot in the mundane. Um, I look back at those little gimmicks that I was doing and they were in fact, spiritual practices they were things that i were doing so that when i walked through my day and heard that little bell or felt that penny in my shoe yeah, it reminds us to try our best to keep a balance in both the mundane and the magical and moment. be and between the mundane and the magical and
1: at that present moment Yep, I think that's a big part. If you're having an effective spiritual practice, dance spiritual practice, one of the goals is you want to be in the present moment because that's what we got. That's where we are supposed to be. And a lot of times we're so focused on I'm on my way to a meeting and I have to, what do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? Or we're looking back and going, oh, shit, why did I do that? That we miss that we're right here, right now doing something
0: well and i think that's part of been part of the attraction with you know using um most of the abrahamic um religions as a basis the 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 simple act of getting down on your knees and bowing your head causes you not to be aware of the bus schedule and all those other things so i think there's something very primal there that says stop and just pay attention to you and where you are and your breathing and And not be worrying about what just happened or what's going to happen. So I think there's something very magical about the pose of kneeling or raising your arms to the sky or, you know, my my little roots down branches up, you know, not for nothing. The Hundreds of people have seen me do it. It's a damn daily spiritual practice.
1: And it works.
0: Yep, absolutely. You know,
1: taking, Or even just taking, we talk about three breaths, one for body, one for mind, one for spirit.
0: Yep. Just, yep. just, just remind yourself that you are both mundane and
1: magical. Exactly. Not right. or. No, it's not an either or thing. Yep. And I think that's where your comment about the building or my comment, you know, the writing about going off to a ritual. Uh-huh. Like for the full moon or a Sabbath, which is which can be important because they are moments in time where other people are gathering elsewhere to celebrate magically. So sure. we're generating a universal any kind, kind there,
0: of energy. There's a communal energy because a okay. billion people are all yeah, well, on their well, knees at this moment, sort yeah, of. Okay.
1: And you can be very centered at that present moment and have a really good ritual experience to come away feeling satisfied and happy, etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or whatever. But it doesn't last from like I'm, seven to seven or from I'm, full moon to full moon. So these daily practices can give you a little bit of that feeling.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, it's a little bit more intimate when it's your practice because um, from the way I describe it, it's a bit more of a direct connection from my innate or my inner spark to the, the, the vast universal spark.
1: Oh, I think so. Because that that's kind of what the goal, I think, of any spiritual practice is to figure out your own spark and to figure out your own concept of the divine spark. Because everybody thinks about it differently. And that's important, too. You know. Well, had, and I,
0: I caution the word figure out only because if you figure out today, it's different tomorrow. So yeah, but just, just paying attention to and learning about what yeah. it is moment to moment.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because if you're, do, if you're performing a daily spiritual practice and it's a consistent over like day by day by day. Your concept is going to grow and change because you are growing and changing.
0: Right. You're adding elements to this practice. You're um, omitting elements from this practice. It should be a growing, evolving, organic mechanism for you to make that same consistent, steady, reliable connection.
1: Exactly. Now, for a long time, I go through periods where I do it consistently, and then I'll... Leave it alone for a while and come back to it. But I seem to mind if like, I consistently a little tea light next to my coffee maker in the morning mm-hmm. while I am praying as I don't leave it before, to the goddess caffeina that the machine will hurry up and brew the coffee so that I can function, you know, <laughs> with other people and not kill anybody at that hour of a godly hour in the morning that I'm up. Light that candle and I have something I say that works for mm-hmm. me about setting my intent, and I talk about walking through my day with that awareness of the magical and the mundane as part of that, you know. And I think one part of a daily, and I'm sure eventually what I say in the morning will change and because sure. it has changed over the years. It's it's grown and changed to where I'm saying. Different ways when I'm discussing that walking between and with the magical and the mundane, but it's the practice and part of a daily spiritual practice for me is doing it consistently.
0: It is inspired by our longing for connection with the divine.
1: yeah exactly. and the other piece is if you try something new, this is just a tip trick or witchy kind of thing. Do it for a couple of weeks so that it becomes easier. You're not thinking about, okay, I need to do this or do this or do this. And it becomes a, more of a habit kind of thing. You know what you're doing. And then you can do it and see if you get the results you wanted from it. Because you, you're not focused on the doing. You're not focused on the how. You're focused on the doing.
0: Yep. I think, uh, I, I think, uh, the last thing that I read was 21 days. If you could do anything 21 days in a row, it, it becomes habit. Yep.
1: Yeah. So and I think that's important for people because we will find something we want to try and we try it out and it's uncomfortable because it's new or we wonder, am I doing it right? Do I have the right whatever, the right mindset, et etc., et cetera, et cetera. And once we learn how to do it, Like you said, it becomes a habit. You learned how to do something. You have that muscle memory, for instance. If you're doing your motion of your branches, you know, roots down, branches up, and you're putting your arms up, you get used to doing that motion, and it becomes a habit, and you don't have to think about, okay, this is where I raise my arms kind of thing. Your arms just go up while you're doing it, and you get more out of it. And then you can decide, does it work? Mm -hmm. You know, I it, and you feel uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do it anymore. Well, and
0: something I, you know, I wanted to bring up too. I know the, the topic is daily spiritual practices, yeah. but I, I think it extends to regular practices in that. Okay. So if I don't take a shower every morning or something that I don't do every single morning, but like every time I get on my bike which doesn't necessarily be a daily thing or isn't necessarily linked to timing or whatever. But every time I go for a ride on my bike, there's a certain little ritual that I do not only to make sure that the bike is ready and I'm ready, but also that the universe is ready for me to come out <laughs> of the garage on a bike.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's going to make cars see you kind of like a-
0: Right, right. Absolutely. And yeah. so they're not just a daily thing. Sometimes they're just a, a patterned thing.
1: Yeah. Or every time you do this particular thing, I do this. Mm-hmm. Like you said with your bike ride, every time I get ready to ride on my bike, I do this.
0: Yep. You yep. Know, it's a regular part of the
1: process now. Sure, it is. And and it's just titled that way because people have to start somewhere. Sure, sure. I understand. You know what I'm saying? We, I mean, we could say spiritual practices in general. Right. But regular, you know, regular practices. Regular practices, so. but you really want. It's easier sometimes to start with that little daily thing, like light a candle by the coffee maker. Got to start somewhere here, people.
0: You keep mentioning that, and I keep laughing. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and and cross the line on this one. and sure. since, since my friends have talked me into getting a Keurig machine. Uh huh. My routine is I come down, I push the button on the current machine. I go take my morning pee. And when I come back, my coffee's ready. Yeah. So I actually have found something productive to do to fill in that moment while I wait for my
1: coffee. But you're still waiting for the coffee. Hey, I'm efficient. <laughs> and it for you, you know, Like I said, by the time I am awake enough to actually function to turn on the button, yeah, I am not a morning person.
0: I understand.
1: No, my mother, I was, I know, I was born, like, early in the morning, and my mother, all of a sudden, you've been resenting it ever since.
0: So that's part of your daily, regular oh, practice.
1: Oh, yeah, it, yeah. That whole, sitting <laughs> up and muttering for a few minutes. My grandchildren learned at a very young age, even before I had them living with me, they would ask if they saw me the first thing in the morning, have you had your coffee? And if I didn't respond, they knew I had it, and they went the other way.
0: I must confess that my roommate dear sweet Aaron, is the same exact way if we run into each other in the kitchen and it's before nine o'clock in the morning he's like have you had your coffee and then he'll step out of the direct path between me and the coffee machine (laughs) that's love okay
1: it is it's caring it's knowing enough about the other person yeah so Maybe do
0: something to help you recognize the balance and the duality in the okay. magical and the mundane every every day for 21 days even if it's something as simple as Elizabeth has a little thing that she does with their morning coffee. But to do that for enough days where, as, as Elizabeth was saying, you're not doing it and paying attention to what you're doing, you're paying attention to what you're getting from it. And as as always, I'm going to I'm really looking forward to being able to be on YouTube where we can have individual discussion threads go on right underneath, um, because I really want to say, you know, what do you think? And, and leave a comment for us. Um, for the time being, the best way to do that is go look for us on Patreon as Young Crone's Cafe. And if you come in through our Patreon, you will end up in our Discord community, and there you will have access to all sorts of different spells and crafts and things like that as we share.
1: I like that, yeah. And eventually, I'm looking forward to the YouTube, though it means I will probably have to wear something other than my pajamas when we record. You know.
0: Well, I can I could make one of those funny avatars for you, and you could oh. just just be an AI avatar.
1: Well, that might work, too. I mean, today's... I, 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 I promise I
0: won't Jessica rabbit you too much.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> I had one down, that's appropriate, because we were talking about morning coffee. He says a day without coffee is like, just kidding, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, right, and mine and that, says...
1: Sarcasm, just one of my many talents. I love it. While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and what's that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment, Practices of the Path. This segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with as well as those we don't and why to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, oh my, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of why we do what we do. And we've kind of covered the major tools. So now we're moving on to, as Sue always used to say, the accoutrement. <laughs> All those- up, in, up in cauldron, bowl, and branch. Yeah, exactly. Now we are moving on to the, the, the fun stuff, kind of, that everybody wants. And we're kind of starting with candles. Oh, okay. Very good. Cool. A lot of people use altar candles, spell candles have candles we tend to have candles all over the place anyway
0: but i I actually spent a few years of my life with a person who poured and made custom candles and infused them with essential oils and scents and dyes and stuff like that so i've at least seen some of the experience of that kind of candle making
1: oh sure it's quite a thing but i went googling because you can find all sorts of things and positive things Be careful, Granny. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. And (laughs) I will a thing, the National Candle Association, apparently there is one. Okay. I'm quite sure why, but there does tend to be an association with pretty much anything. And they had a really nice thing about the history of candles that I thought I would read while we are thinking about what we use candles for and what they mean to us. Okay. Sounds er great. The earliest origins. Candles have been used as a sort of source of light and to illuminate celebrations for more than 5,000 years, yet little is known about their real origin. The earliest use of candles is often attributed to the ancient Egyptians who made rushlights or torches with did, with ah, did, excuse me, let me start that again. The earliest use of candles is often attributed to the ancient Egyptians, who made rushlights or torches by soaking the pithy core of reeds in melted animal fat. However, the rushlights had no wick like a true candle, so apparently the definition of candle is it has a wick. Okay. Early wick candles. While the Egyptians were using wicked candles in 3000 BCE, the ancient Romans are generally credited with developing the wicked candle before that time by dipping rolled papyrus repeatedly in melted tallow or beeswax. Wicked candles were used to light their homes to aid travelers at night and in religious ceremonies. Historians have found evidence that many other early civilizations developed wick candles using waxes made from available plants and insects. In other words, where you were determined what your candle was made of. Sure, sure. Chinese candles are said to have been molded in paper tubes using rolled rice paper for the wick and wax from an indigenous insect that was combined with seeds. In Japan, candles were made of wax extracted from tree nuts, while in India, candle wax was made by boiling the fruit of the cinnamon tree. It is also known that candles played an important part in early religious ceremonies. For example, Hanukkah, the Jewish festival of lights, which centers on the light of new candles, dates back to 165 B.C.E. There are several biblical references to candles, and the Emperor Constantine is reported to have called for the use of candles during an Easter service in the fourth century, which is probably mm-hmm. when the Catholic Church started because he was the head of everything at that time.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I
1: think. Middle Ages. Dun, da, da. Moving forward, most early Western cultures relied primarily on candles rendered from animal fat, i.e., tallow. A major improvement came in the Middle Ages when beeswax candles were introduced in Europe. Unlike animal-based tallow, beeswax burned pure and cleanly without producing a smoky flame. It also emitted a pleasant smell rather than the foul, acrid odor of tallow. So now we have candles that smell good instead of stinking. (laughs) Hey, go team! Civilization is proceeding. Beeswax wax candles were widely used for church ceremonies, but because they were expensive, few individuals other than the wealthy could afford to burn them in their home. Tallow candles were the common household candle for Europeans, and by the 13th century, candle making had become a guild craft in Europe and France. Okay. The candle makers were called... The Wick
0: Dippers. The Wick, Wick Dippers.
1: The wick dippers, yes. The candle makers.
0: I'm sorry, I could not resist it's fine. using wick dippers.
1: That's fine. The candle makers, a.k.a. Chandlers, went from house to house, knocking on doors and making candles from the kitchen vets that the homeowners saved for that purpose or made and sold their own candles from small candle shops. So in other words, there were some that went around door to door doing their their craft at this
0: time. Yeah, let me see your scraps bin. I'll pull all of the fat out of it, render it down, and, oh, that had to be a pretty job.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, now we move on to colonial times. Colonial women offered America's first contribution to candle making when they discovered that boiling the grayish green berries of bayberry bushes produced a okay. sweet-smelling wax that burned cleanly. However, extracting the wax from the bayberries was extremely tedious. As a result, the popularity of bayberry candles soon diminished. The growth of the whaling industry in the 18th century brought the first major change in candle making since the Middle Ages when spermatoceti not sure about the pronunciation, a whale, a wax obtained by crystallizing sperm whale oil became available in quantity, because they were out there decimating the oceans. Like right. wax, the spermaceti wax did not elicit a repugnant odor when wow. burned and produced a significantly brighter light. It also was harder than either tallow or beeswax, so it wouldn't soften or bend in the summer heat. Historian notes that the first "quote unquote" standard candles were made from spermaceti oil. 19th century advances. Most of the major developments impacting contemporary candle making occurred during the 19th century. In the 1820s, French chemist Michel-Eugène Chevrelot discovered how to extract steric acid from animal fatty acids. This led to the development of stirring wax, which was hard, durable, and burned cleanly. Stirring candles remain popular even in Europe today. In 1834, the inventor Joseph Morgan helped to further the growth of modern-day candle industry by developing a machine that allowed for continuous production of molded candles by using a cylinder with a movable piston to eject candles after they solidified. With the introduction of mechanized production, candles became an easily affordable commodity for the masses. In other words, they figured out how to make them cheap in quantity so that well, yeah. In, instead
0: of somebody spending an hour to dip a dozen on a stick, yeah, exactly. When a machine can start spitting them out like sausages, there you go.
1: Yes, I think that's what it means. Okay, here's where the paraffin wax, which is what a lot of candles are made of even now, was introduced in the 1850s after chemists learned how to efficiently separate the natural occurring waxy substance from petroleum and it. Odorless and bluish white in color, paraffin was a boom to candle making because it burned cleanly, consistently, and was more economical to produce than any other candle fuel. Its only disadvantage was a low melting point.
0: This well, is no and, that it's made from oil.
1: Yeah, that too. Well, <laughs> you know, this, this is the candle I, making. I, I'm sorry, stuff. I had to interject that. That's fine. Okay. The, that low melting point. This was soon overcome by adding the harder stearic acid, which had become widely available. With the introduction of the light bulb in 1879, candle making began to decline. Obviously, you could flip a switch and have light as opposed to finding the candle, putting it in a holder, making sure you're not near your curtains or children or pets and then lighting it to see where you're going. You know, well, no, no now we
0: have Yankee Candle online.
1: Okay, exactly. <laughs> you, know, but you see where that's going. Then, in the 20th century, candles enjoyed renew, renewed popularity during the first half of the 20th century when the growth of U.S. oil and meat packing industries it, brought an increase in the byproducts that become the basic ingredients of candles, paraffin and steric acid. In other words, they were cheaper to produce. The popularity of candles remained steady until the mid 1980s when interest in candles as decorative items, food setters, and gifts began to increase notably. Candles were suddenly available in a broad array of sizes, shapes, and colors, and consumer interest in candles began to escalate which is why we have Yankee Candle online, as you said. <laughs> you know, let's think about it. The 1900s witnessed an unprecedented surge in the popularity of candles. And for the first time in more than a century, new types of candle waxes were being developed in the US. Agricultural chemists began to develop soybean wax in softer and slower burning wax than paraffin. On the other side of the globe, efforts were underway to develop palm wax for use in candles. So, That's when the use of flaming candles started. And that has become very popular for uh, people like us who recognize that paraffin comes from oil. Sure, sure. And it says, candles have come a long way since their initial use. While they are no longer used as a major source of light, they continue to grow in popularity and use. Today, candles serve to symbolize a celebration, ignite romance soothe the senses, honor a ceremony, and accent home decorous, casting a warm and lovely glow for all to enjoy. Da, da, da.
0: so. And you that, said that was from the, the website that, from the National...
1: the National Association.
0: Okay, okay, no problem. Um, I'm just making a little note for you and I here that um, when the time comes that we're doing this on YouTube, I'll yep. be able to put a link in the comments. That way we can directly credit and they you know, can. when we do, do use a, a source like that,
1: sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I like the ability sometimes to share stuff like that. Because yeah. it's, it's, okay, here it is kind of what, it's for you. Go ahead. I just find it interesting that there's a consistent use for religious ceremonies from the beginning of the use of them. Sure. Right through today, right through to today in some form. Well, here's the question
0: I'm going to throw at you. Yes. Tell me about the last three candles that you lit.
1: Okay, I lit. Well, the last three. I lit. The last three mornings, I do. I set my intent every morning by my coffee maker while I am watching and praying. <laughs> <laughs> God the goddess it. Will let the candles flow a little faster, and I have a tea light there. Then okay. I, and I have a little thing I say, and I set my intent for the day.
0: So and you so, have daily candle. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, I do at the moment. That's one of the things uh, that I am working on is coming back to those little daily practices that I used to do here and there all day long, just to you yeah. know keep me focus, keep me focused for want of a better word, and remind me that yes, I'm a witch and magic is in my life and. I'm not completely crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you are a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm yes. not sure who that quote is from, but I've yes. always, uh, always
1: loved to hear that. Yes, that was one of Sue's favorite sayings. Yep. Well. Yeah, yes. absolutely. That yeah, that's the whole idea, you know, is we get so caught up in the mundane crap.
0: So some- the last... Yeah. So the last candle that I lit is actually still burning up on a crystal altar that I have. Oh. Um, and that was because a friend of mine that I know, a very dear friend is struggling going through some, some life. Um, and basically asked if I would pray for her. And that is one of my forms of doing that is I will light a candle when I know that someone is sick or injured or ill or struggling um my mechanism for that is that i visualize or see the energy from that flame going into the universe and at the other end of some sort of magical conduit that person getting that energy to use for you know healing or whatever it is that they need so i lit one earlier for a friend of mine the night before last, I lit a candle on the altar in the bedroom simply because I was thinking about Susie a whole bunch. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just 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 having that kind of thing. And sometimes I will light a candle when I'm down here in the, the studio. I did this the other night while I was working on a guitar and I have this. Um, little window altar here in my basement studio. And I just felt like, okay, I'm going to be in the room here. I'm working on a guitar and listening to some tunes. But I I feel like if I lit a candle, I would at least have a sensation of the energy that there, there is a sacred area in this space that I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it always seems to be either for energy work or some form of reverence
1: Yeah. Which makes sense when you think about it. I mean, I know humans seem to connect with with candles. Whether they're fire. fire in general. Yes, fire in general. And candles are a quote unquote miniature fire in that sense. But if you ever sat in the dark and you're doing ritual and you light that candle, you're automatically kind of focused in on the light that it emits. And for me, on my path, and as part of the path, we think that ideas and the beginning of creation, it comes from the dark or the void. And it has to expand into the light. And it's a way of, okay, things are starting. Things are being drawn to. You
0: you could almost see it as a little mini portal to the nothing or to the void.
1: In that respect, or just the fact that that one little space you start to focus on it that you know the the, where the light is you can see what the light is emitted and then it just keeps going
0: well and you know at the molecular atomic level in that space and in those conditions what you are gazing at Is actual real life chemistry happening, you know, with oxidation and reduction and all of the things that are going on in a flame? So you're actually watching a bit of creation
1: being changed or modified or growing or evolving. I like that. So, whatever you want to use candles for, let's look at it that way. It's a wonderful idea. And we are not going to sit here and say, okay, if you're doing magic, you need to use a red candle for this or a blue candle for that first of all you have to figure out what those color correspondences mean to you personally and secondly I may want to do a spell and not have a blue candle if so
0: you pen- are doing, if you are doing spell work with a candle and you're treating someone else's spell as a recipe you're you're losing the point that we don't cast from or we don't cook from the recipe we no. cook from our cupboard
1: yeah, and also that at least in our book that is coming out soon, <laughs> the spells that we <laughs> offer, you know... We oh,
0: oh, now you're going to start attacking me online during the show for being no. behind on my edits. I see no, how this is going no, to
1: <laughs> I'm just saying it's coming out soon and I'm kind of excited about it. Yes, it, is.
0: Yes, the it is. All all is. The
1: stuff that we put in there, we stress over and over that you don't need ingredients, or if you don't have the right, the quote-unquote right ingredients, use something else. And then a lot of our spells are written with the idea that if you read it and you think something else would work better, please use it.
0: Well, and I can even remember discussions as as far back as, as it was the three of us where – We almost for a time didn't want to call it a spell book or a book of spells. We wanted to call it an idea or inspiration book because the whole point of us putting these in a collection and putting them out in print is so that people can see them and and come up with their own ideas based on or inspired by some of what we've found to work for us.
1: And the other piece of that is they are basic spells for basic stuff. Yeah, thought for those little life moments where, okay, magic might be a really good idea right now.
0: You know, where are my keys?
1: <laughs> yes, that, that, that we have a spell for that. Yep. Finding lost objects and they're practical.
0: They're not. All right. Well, we've plugged the book enough. Um. Yes. We'll, we'll wrap up candles here with. You can never, ever, have too many candles in your house.
1: <laughs> I see. Was that completely? And I will also make a note about fire safety. Unless you're sure nothing is going to interfere with a candle, don't leave it unattended.
0: Especially,
1: for, will not cover that. Especially,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. Especially your furry pets and your children, because yeah. um, some some cats like to play with the flame and they end up with blistered feet. So, no, yeah. no, 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 no,
1: no. Yeah, and, and small children are don't care. <laughs> Unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good way to describe that. Yes. All right. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane.
0: For today's tip, trick, or witchy hint, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the underlying parts of the spell work that we do on a daily or weekly or moonly basis. You know, we talk about putting spells together and we want to have the right components, the right ingredients. We want to have, you know, the right crystal for what resonates and associates with us and the right candle or the right incense or the right colors or the right herbs or whatever it is that you use in your casting. What you are doing is we are combining a bunch of elements that we're trying to put together in a package to align our energies to create an effect. It's energy work. Well, the energy isn't in the candle or the athame or the incense or in the herb. The energy is in us. And I've caught myself the other day, um, I'm going to use Samantha and Endora. As a context example. So the ones that are my age or older will get this. Um, For the younger folks, look up the old Bewitched TV series. But there was always a conflict going on between Samantha and Andorra. Andorra, the mother, essentially believed that you're a witch. So why would you ever get your hands dirty or do any work? Just wiggle your nose and this happens and wiggle your nose and that happens. Whereas Samantha being married to a muggle was making an effort in her life to try to only use her witchy stuff for special stuff. So we're trying to get all of these elements together to combine, combine. And it occurred to me that the one constant, all of these is the me. It's the Dave. It's the human. It's the you that we are putting into this magic. And the reason that I had this thought is because the other day I was a little bit behind and everyone knows from listening to me that I try to combine my magical and my mundane with each and every step and each and every breath. So I'm at the door and I'm doing my little quick sigil spell over the door to keep the house safe. And I'm doing my little sigil spell that I do over my phone to get me a good Uber driver and and I realized, OK, so I'm point cast, point cast, point cast, point cast, which is fine up until a point when I realized that it was becoming, pardon my using the word, but mundane for me to be using my magic. And so I wanted to talk a little bit this week about, you know, the, the human part of this combination of elements that we're trying to put together to manipulate energy. And I realized that there have been times in the past when I have tried to work a spell or tried to manipulate some magic or work some energy, and I haven't taken it seriously. It's been sort of a flippant or a casual, yeah, go do that. Um, You know, the Hollywood flick of the wrist. And in those cases, I am not... Honoring my own creed, which says to try to see mirth and reverence in all things. And I realize that at that moment when I'm casting in that or praying or whatever word you'd like to use. But when I'm doing that in that frame of mind and not observing some reverence for the fact that I am, in fact, moving energy or praying or whatever, I'm not doing good magic. I'm not looking at my motivation. You know, am I? Um For motivation, I'm going to circle back a little bit to some old 12-step group stuff that I used to learn. And there used to be an acronym HALT, and it stood for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And what we were taught in those rooms was that you don't ever want to make decisions if you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And it makes very good sense. It's great general advice. And I'm applying it now today with my magic. You know, am I doing this magic because I'm hungry, meaning I have something that I want, and it's a desire, not necessarily a need. Am I upset over something or hurt over something or emotional or something? Am I lonely? Have I not talked through this issue that I'm getting ready to do magic to? Um, Have I rested and ate and treated my body, mind, and spirit properly for the last few hours or day so that I am in a good place to be able to do magic. And so I I started to look at all of the different times that I had cast in recently and realized that there's an awful lot of times that I'm not taking that moment to take my 3D breaths for body, mind, and spirit. I'm not taking that moment to recognize the reverence of the fact that I am able to make this prayer or this magic work. I'm not taking a moment to analyze and make sure that my motivations are pure and appropriate and that the casting that I'm trying to do is right. So while Andorra liked to stand in the middle of the room and go around and flick her finger and things would dust themselves and things would clean themselves, Samantha saw the... Need for us to do some of our own dusting and some of our own cleaning and reserve the magics that we use for those special times when we need to use special powers. Um, so don't let your magic be used in too mundane of a way. I guess is the, uh, the point of this week. And I'm going to write a little bit more about this in an upcoming um, monograph because i think it deserves a few pages to talk about how we formulate in our mind the realization that we need to cast a spell or how we prepare ourselves while we're preparing the rest of our combined elements and ingredients and and paying more attention to the inner condition that we are in before we pick up the wand and the athame and start influencing the universe So, consider the you or the human in the magic that you're working each and every day, and understand that there is magic and mundane in everything that we do. Be safe, be kind, and be loved.
1: And as I like to say, may you find mirth and reverence in all things, which is just another example of that balance. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two Young
0: Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook.
1: Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to effect change.
0: We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine.
1: We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are
0: hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane.
1: We are seekers of knowledge.
0: And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So moat it be. So moat it be.